Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Larkin. I'm Katie. And this is episode 18 of A Little More Free. Yay. And Yay. we have a special guest today. We do. I'm back in Virginia. Yay. And we have a special guest coming on. Dun, dun, dun. My mom. Yay. <laughs> Diane Goff. Yes. Photographer, artist, extraordinary. I said photographer, artist, extraordinaire. Yes. Photographer, artist, writer, massage therapist, mask maker, woman um, of many talents. Mystic, woman who runs with the wolves. Yes. <laughs> All right. And here she is. Yay. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> Two of my favorite women in the whole world, my daughter and my Katie. <laughs> I've known since she was born. Yeah. <laughs> Saw her right after she was born. Aww. Well, we, we, we thought it would be fun to interview you because you've definitely had an interesting life. And um, we... Understatement. <laughs> <laughs> the understatement of the century. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, the, the thing that actually, you know, uh, sparked an idea for me was I was revisiting Richard Tarnas's Cosmos and Psyche, which is amazing. And he, he takes, um, four major outer planet astrological alignments and he tracks them against like Western Civ like history. Um, cause he's really knowledgeable about Western Civ and, you know, he's a, he's a scholar of that, I would say. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, and it's amazing and stuff, but the last section was dedicated to the long lasting conjunction between Uranus and Neptune, which ran from 1985 to 2001. And the, the bullseye year for that was 1993. And even though that was personally a powerful year for me personally, I kind of was sort of, it took me a while, like it took him a while to develop that whole section of the book. And I was kind of feeling like nothing really major happened during the nineties. It was kind of a, a dead decade. <laughs> like we had like grunge music and I guess hip hop kind of became popular and, and then, and we had friends on TV, you know, like that was the nineties. <laughs> Oh yeah. And, and so I was sort of feeling like sort of disappointed by that, but then I read this section and I wanted to read it out loud because it made me think of you. <laughs> so he said, um, other characteristic Uranus, Neptune themes and topics, mystical near death experiences, life after death, past lives, angels, auras, channeling, divination, developing the intuition and creative imagination. Dream interpretation, the tarot, the I Ching, yoga, Tai Chi, holistic healing methods, mind-body healing, spiritual healing, prayer circles, bringing spirituality and social idealism into business practice, the spiritual dimension of ecology, spirituality and gender healing, dance as a spiritual path, 
art as a spiritual path, spiritual pilgrimages to sacred places around the world, mystical poetry, flooded the collective consciousness during the period of this conjunction. The best-selling poet in North America during the 1990s was the 13th century Sufi mystical poet Rumi in numerous translations. And there's like a lot of other stuff, like he was talking about how like scholarly conferences dedicated to topics such as divinatory practices in classical antiquity, the history of Hellenistic astrology, the use of psychoactive entheogens in the Eleusinian mysteries, shamanic rituals in the Amazon rainforest, and on and on. And I was just like, oh my gosh, actually that decade was full of that stuff. And it was just, it was just, in the air. It was just, it was, I just thought that was how life was. I guess I was younger too. (laughs) So I didn't notice it. But anyway, I thought of you, Diane, because I feel like, you know, you really dove into that and you have a lot of really fun stories from that time. All my favorite things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I do have stories. And um, I was thinking, how I was thinking of the old saw that many psychics have said that the people who were in um, Atlantis are the baby boomers who have come in again Mm. to help us evolve spiritually. And because for baby boomers, that section of time was a time when we were being broken open. Our parents were dying. We were having children. Mm. We were entering menopause, um, all kind of openings were happening Mm. Um, and if you know if the saying uh cracks are where the light gets in maybe Mm. all the fact that that was infusing down on the planet we had lots of cracks for it to get into and you know i i take that saying with a with a grain of salt because it can sure it can bring the light or it can kill you so um which is something nobody ever says. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, not to like gloss it over. Cracks can damage you forever or it can, they can kill you. But, yeah. um, but I prefer where the light gets in. But uh, so that kind of came up when I was, when Larkin told me what we were gonna be talking about. And it was a time of great transformation. And I think particularly because baby boomers were in that midlife crunch, menopause, yeah. you know, parents having problems, you know, the whole caring for elderly parents. Yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff. So, um, you know, probably all part of the big plan, but I didn't know that, that we were being bombarded from the astrological world. And I find that fascinating because it was a time of extreme growth for me Mm. at times, extreme confusion, (laughs) but, um, I guess, you know, I guess it was for many people. And the fact that Rumi was, you know, he's, he really says it all. So pretty amazing stuff. And I do think too, that when we have these uh, bombardments of spiritual lessons or whatever learnings at a particular time, then they get, it gets in our consciousness and then later on, it has legs and walks around like the women's empowerment movement, the Me Too movement, um, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. I think, I think it's embedded in our consciousness. And I've just been reading how, from some of the books I've been reading, how if an idea pops up, say in England, 
in the same time frame, that same idea about consciousness and spiritual stuff will pop up, you know, in Australia or Africa. And so it kind of seeds into the general uh, knowledge that's out there. And it's, it's like soaking a cloth and putting it on the culture or something. Is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like that under- well, you know, energetic fabric that really does yeah. connect us all. Yes. It isn't, you can't see it or really even articulate it some of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, it's less obvious than others, but yeah. And I never connected it to astro- astrology, but of course mm-hmm. hearing you say that and and you know the many readings you've given me have factored into that too that there are just key times where the energy is there if you want to reach out and grab it it's there right and you know you were talking about it getting up getting legs and walking around like literally people born during that time have that astrological aspect in their natal chart mm-hmm. and all of those people are between you know 20 and 30 years old right now and they are leading these movements that you're they talking about. They are. Oh my God. They They're are totally the ones on the front lines of it all. Yep. 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 So all people, man, crystal, crystals, indigos, whatever you want to call them. They're here. Yeah. <laughs> They're ready to lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like all of that stuff that kind of like popped out during the new age movement, which for me, it sort of started in the mid eighties. You know, I went to Hawaii in 1986 and I landed in the middle of the new age movement. (laughs) Um, But meanwhile, it was happening like back at home. You were diving into it around the same time. And yes. And like all of that stuff, like it's now a lot of it has gone into the mainstream. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You know, it's not so fringe anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the the phrases that when we went to the S training, which was on the edges of, of that whole movement. A lot of those phrases are now just part of our culture. You know, I can't think of one right now, but several of the phrases we learned in that, and he had taken so many different spiritual teachings and cultures and just put them together. So we're in our air heart. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, I wish, you know, I wish they'd pop into my mind, but my mind is not popping with things like it used to. Well, the 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 Kenny Long's the Kenny Loggins song, right? This is it. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. This is it. In the S training. Yeah. I mean, the only th- phrase I remember is you know being on it and getting off it. Yes. <laughs> that too. <laughs> when did we all go to the S training? Do you remember? Was uh, it in the eighties, or was it before I was born? It was before you were born. Hmm. Yeah. And then dad and I went to the six day training, which was about phys- your physical body interacting with the world. And uh, yeah, I did the six day in 84. Did you? Mm-hmm. But And you, I stayed with you and Stefan somewhere near a beach so you could go do something and your parents went. We- we did the the training, the S training, back before it was called Landmark. Oh, oh right. Which is what it's called now, I think. Oh, is that the Landmark thing? Landmark was S, but then Werner Earhart ran into tax problems or legal problems anyway, and he moved to out of the country, and yeah. rebranded it as Landmark. Anyway, Landmark. Stefan and I did the S training in Virginia Beach, 
Diane, you took us to it and you were at the hotel with us. And I think that was in 1980. It was before this Neptune Uranus window. So, I mean, the thing is, is that the sixties started a process that was was still unraveling, you know, the human potential movement and everything. And, you know, carrying on through, um, but, uh, and so I feel like the S training was in that window yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But it was like 1980. It, it was before two, you. maybe? Because yeah. it was before she was born. Oh, right. I was born in 82. Yeah. So 81 or some 80, 80, 81, 81. Anyway, that was, yeah, that was kind of a harbinger of the, of when everything broke loose kind of. Yeah. So we were also remembering that that Web 6 kind of was born right at the edge of the Neptune-Uranus conjunction as it was coming into 15 degrees orb because Web 6 started in 85, I want to say. No, I, I just remember when Larkin was a baby, we were, we were practicing. Okay. Because I remember uh, Chris Munger had you in a stroller while we were practicing and you were screaming your head off and I could hardly concentrate because I was like, but my daughter is over there screaming and we had to keep going, you know, so yeah. yeah. But, but that whole like era, like that, yeah, like, you know, it kind of like sort of unfolded through the late mm-hmm. 80s and mm-hmm. early 90s and stuff. Yeah, and we kept, we kept putting that out there too. So, do you want to share a little bit about that or do you want to the web yeah oh yeah um well it was interesting because i think all of us women needed something in our lives you know uh we needed to to let our creativity out to to put that part of ourselves out in the world um some of us were struggling with relationships. Some of us were struggling with kid issues. But when we came together, it's like, it was like a safe space where we could go. We could talk our truth about our lives and we could put our creativity out and have other, you know, the other women think it was great usually. Um, and it was so important, I think, for each of us. And the way we came together was real interesting. Ursula Molinaro, writer in residence, um, was here and I was doing massage at the time and I became her massage therapist. And then she formed the first, what was the first really web six, but we didn't call it that, with Susan, your mother, I think Mary. Elizabeth. Other women. Elizabeth Barbara Holiday was in that one. Right, Barbara Holiday. Hexagon. Hexagon. Yeah, hexagon from the the B the B because she said women are hives instead of you know instead of one person instead of a hierarchy. Yeah, that's the word. It was we were hive. We were sharing the energy and sharing the power, which you know was a kind of a new concept for us at that time. And you and you had six people in that one, right? Right. That was another. And then some, she moved on, uh, Ursula moved on, and uh, we started to gather other people uh, to be in the next. And it was, it was interesting how we would just know 
who the person was. You know, mm -hmm. I guess all of our intuition wands were working. And uh, like we, Mary and Ann and I, and maybe somebody else, maybe Susan, went to see something that was happening in Roanoke and Elizabeth was singing. And we just turned to each other and we said, we got to get her. <laughs> we got to get to know her and she's got to perform with us. Wow. And um, it was just like there was a resonance, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and I think that, you know, that women are good at that. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and so can you describe what each of the, the members that did a little yeah. bit about them? Because we know, but yeah, you know, yeah, about we them. know, but some of our sisters <laughs> right. have no yes. idea. Yes. So, um, Anne was a writer and she read her short stories and mm -hmm. made some of her poetry. I think mainly Anne, stories. Anne and Getty. Also, Anne Getty, yes. She was also a raconteur and she was very good at storytelling. Um, Elizabeth McCommon played music, her own songs that she wrote. And she wrote one called Weaving the Web, just for us. It was a really important part of the, of the uh, performance. Um, Mary North read her poetry. I mean, we all told stories mm. uh, about each other, about meeting each other. Your mom and I had met in the Peace Corps, so we had a really different and probably longer. Well, actually, Pat West and I knew each other longer because I knew we knew each other when we were both at Tech in college. Um, mm. Pat was a, a wonderful artist, Pat West, and I took pictures of Painter. every painter yes yeah yes thank you oil paintings oil yes paintings. oil paintings yeah so my role so who, who am i leaving out mary susan ann you took pictures of i took pictures of everybody's art and everybody's families and themselves and that was on a screen playing behind and these aren't talking. just normal pictures these were amazing photographs because you're a photographer. You yeah. started all of your double imagery. Right. And all yes, of that that's true. With, you mm -hmm. know, I think of that one with Mary, I think in her bathroom and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just real, you know, capturing this kind of mystical essence of. Yeah, they of all had people. such a mystical essence. <laughs> they still do. Um, so have I have I left out anybody? Yeah. Uh, all right. So you said, so Anne Getty, right. you as a photographer, Anne was a writer and a storyteller. Pat West was a painter. Mary North was a poet. Anne Mary Pink. North was, was poet laureate for Virginia. Yes. Here. Uh, yeah. Uh, not port laureate, but she won the Virginia poetry prize. When okay. So. Okay. Um, she taught, where did she teach? She taught at tech for a while. And she taught at, I think she taught at University of Virginia too. And she's also was a paper mache artist. And, um, but who are we leaving out? There's six of us. My mom, yeah, our artist. Yeah. We, we talked about uh, Susan and I being in the Peace Corps. Um, yeah, she was a wonderful fiber artist. And then she started doing um, gourds mm -hmm. where she would braid things around the top of them and you know, and she does like batik and batik, trapunto, mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of different fabric things that I had known nothing about. And so, so what we did, we had a someone from the tech theater department, Maureen Shea, who took us on to to uh, 
be our director. And Maureen was one of the most talented directors I have ever known in my life. She was amazing. Um, she just, she saw things and just, she was not afraid to say things. She just cut to the chase. And she told us to just in, get set up like a living room with the pictures going on behind us. So you would do these performances. Yes, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so we decided we were gonna do these performances. And uh, she said, for the performance, just invite people into your living room. So we'd set up chairs like we were in a living room and we'd tell our stories. The slides were going off in the background of people's lives and people's art and people would read their stories. And then there'd usually be a segue. Um, someone would tell a story and uh, then Elizabeth would sing and uh, we, we got very good response from this. And then we have gone ahead and done, since that part was over, we've done one more iteration called Loose Threads. Mm -hmm. And have we done more than that? I can't, I don't think so. We've talked well, about- you, you, you filmed it. There was the filmed version, right. I think. And um, you also had like your work as a group in different galleries, didn't you? That's right. We did a performance at Roanoke College and we had our art there. Uh, 3D, you know, in, in reality, mm -hmm. so people could see the art and, and then we did our performance and uh, we did it at Reston, at, at a place in Reston, Virginia. We did it at Tech. We did it at Rono College. There were several other places we, uh, um, what's the place, uh, Reynolds Homestead out in, uh, that part of the state. Um, we, we did it about six or eight times and then, and we would travel, we would put everything in a van and go, it was, it was really great. And one funny thing happened. We were still all a little bit shy about putting our stuff out. And Maureen told us when we went to Roanoke College, there was gonna be a luncheon for everybody. And she said, now don't sit together, go sit among what's going to be your audience and get to know them a little bit and talk to them. Well, what did we do? We went in and we sat right at one table. <laughs> so we were, you know, we weren't savvy about you that. Kind marketing of your product. Right. But then when we had it at, when we did it at tech, uh, um, who was doing us then the guy, uh, Bob Leonard. And he said, before you go on, have people in the lobby and go out and mingle mm -hmm. and so this time we thought okay we're going to do it this time so we would go out and talk to people and it was so much fun because so many people we knew mm -hmm. I, some old friends that i hadn't seen forever some people i knew in high school were there in the lobby they had come specifically to blacksburg to see me do this and um anyway it was a great experience and also mary lived out on little river and we spent many hours together and taking our families out to Mary's, going to the river, going days and days. In yes, the summer. days and days. And we <laughs> laid on the rocks like lizards and we swam naked. And we, uh, when Maureen left, we all painted our faces as a goodbye and had a bonfire as a goodbye to her. And um, it was just rich. It was rich. It was juicy. We went to the beach together. Oh, yeah. Our families. <laughs> Goldberg. Yes, Goldberg. We rented that huge, like it was like three-story beach house in yeah. Polly's Island. That yeah, so yeah. Fun. 
And it started as a web as a web family vacation that sort of eventually became just individual families going, but still. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. That we would all go and be in that big house and all the kids would be running around from me and my diapers at like two up to, I don't know who the oldest was, but definitely into their teen. Oh yeah. Teenage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We had like Tyree and Valen. I think they were the oldest one or no, I was the oldest probably. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, are you the oldest web baby? I think I am. Really? Oh, you're the oldest in your no, well, I mean, um, Anne's uh oldest son, Paul, oh. is a little older than me, but I think that's it. And he never came to the stuff. So Yeah, I think he came once because I remember he was uh he it wasn't his, for everyone. Yeah, it wasn't for everyone. In fact, <laughs> in fact, somebody, I guess I think it was Todd, maybe or it maybe was Todd said, you know, in the future, uh the web children will be lying on the psychologist's couch and the call, psychologist has said, well, now, were you one of the web children? <laughs> oh yeah, now I know what to say to you. <laughs> that was so funny. That was the year that he and Ezra put water balloons in their, yeah. in their Ollie North t-shirts and they were like waving down the passing cars. Oliver North was like in on trial or something for a rain counter and everyone was sort of thinking about him and they had a t-shirt and it was really funny there were many moments like uh we would we would often go swimming at night and we would just go down to the beach and take our suits off and jump in the water and uh somebody then I made a t-shirt uh with my airbrush that that was like a a white bikini top and bottom and it was called all white suits Goldberg swim team swim team meaning that Oh, that was the key. We have so many pictures from that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, that was, that was a great time. And, and, you know, you all feel like all these women are your aunties, you know, they're part of your childhood. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, y'all were quite lucky in that. And you still have each other and you still yeah, get together. together. And yeah. And still get together quite often, honestly. Yeah. And during the pandemic, y'all were Zooming. That's right. Eventually yeah. you got to be Zooming once a week. And yes. It is amazing. Long lived. Yeah. I've said, I've always growing up, I was always like, okay, I wonder when my web women are going to arrive into my <laughs> life. And it's like, no, that's just, that's not normal. Like that, really, yeah. That isn't a standard, mm. um, thing and I think hmm. also nowadays people are so much more mobile and I mean myself included enjoy living like here and there and and you all have all been here in Blacksburg for so long you know mm-hmm. for such a long stretch of your lives yes. that you've been able to really you know have and cultivate and hold those those relationships yeah. and that community of support Absolutely. And I think it it's the kind of thing where you, when it's happening, you don't really realize how extraordinary it is. But I think in looking back, it's, you know, really becomes illuminated of, mm-hmm. you know, how fortunate you are to have that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And we start in-person friendships, Trump, Zoom connections any day. Yeah, for 
literature. Uh, or <laughs> yeah, or Facebook friendships. Yes, or Instagram or whatever. Sorry, we you were going to say Burton. something. We forgot Chris Burton, who Chris Cadwell. Well, she, she came after, right? A little yes. later. She came right in there when we were, so we called her our manager. Mm. <laughs> she never did really manage, but we called her our manager just to include her. And she was just a great support for all of us and, and a great She's friend. A, a wonderful and, and human being. We resonated being. with her. She was one of those women that was like, yes, her. So. Yeah. yeah. Even though she never wanted to be on stage and no, didn't she, have an art or a right. you know a creative contribution, she was the, like the den mother, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the den mother. No, that's probably not appropriate. But <laughs> well, and I think too, it's like, and you said this, Mom, in one of your interviews in the paper, mm-hmm. the way you live your life can be a work uh, of yeah. art. Artful mm-hmm. living is art, mm-hmm. and. I feel like Chris is, it's just who she is as a human was her contribution. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She was, it wasn't complete without her. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh gosh. So that was a huge, a huge thing during that period. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, like, you know, I, I thought it would be fun to get some more stories from the ground, from the new age, <laughs> from you. Because yes. that was going on sort of simultaneously, not necessarily always overlapping, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like going on at the same time. Yes. I just remember coming back from Hawaii uh, when I first came back from college and you had gotten into like drumming circles or something I don't remember what it how it started well I was in one drumming circle but uh that didn't last long but I was into shamanism Mm. and um a friend of mine and you and Mary went to yeah a friend of mine Patrick Simpson had done first workshop of the basic the basic workshop of the foundation for shamanic studies and he introduced me to the drumming and mm. journeying just a little bit. And so I decided, I love this. This seems, I, I feel it, you know. And I've always been a searcher, searching why are we here? What, what's going on? You know, what is this life all about? And I, I know one of my favorite uh, quotes is, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Teilhard de Chardin or Chardin. Chardin. It's French. I don't know how to pronounce French, but he said, we're, we think we're humans having a spiritual experience, but really we're spirits having a human experience. And I, that to me just says it all. And mm. I'm, you know, um, so. Pisces that you are. Yes. Pisces. <laughs> ah, so, um, forgot where I was. Oh, so Mary and I, Mary North and I went to the web. Yes, of the web, the poet. We went and did the first, the basic workshop in DC. And also Carolyn Mace was there. Um, who's the storyteller woman? Not r- women who run with the wolves woman. Not Clarissa Pincola Estes. No, not mm-hmm. her. They're, they're, I would have loved it if it had been her. But um, another woman was there that, that the name was, you know, big, a storyteller. And also Ramdas was there. And, um, and wait, this, this shamanic organization, was this the one that became 
Michael Harner and Sandra Ingerman or different? Yes, yes. Okay. It already was Michael Harner, Sandra Ingerman. Okay. On yet. Okay. But um, so we went to that. Maybe that was a different time that we went to Carolyn Mays. Anyway, so I had a really vivid experience. Um, we were searching for our power animal and mine was so vivid, it just knocked me out. I mean, it, I've written and about it. you wrote it. a story about it. You wrote a short story about it. Yeah. That's the one about Khan? Khan, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it was actually part of my Holland's, uh, part of my thing Ma I did at Khan. Master's yeah, program. Master's Program at Holland's. I wrote about uh, my shamanic experiences. So, um, but what was, what was vivid about it? Can you just take us into that a little? Yeah, it, um, well, they, they, you go to the sound of a drum and it's the same cadence as they say, the heartbeat of the earth. Mm. So it's a particular cadence, it's pretty fast. Mm. And, you know, I expected, well, Patrick Simpson had, they have drumming tapes and, you know, you can just go online now and get, get the drumming journey. Yeah. And just I have an app that has drumming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's an app for that. It's all accessible now. <laughs> yeah, there's an app for that. So you won't, you go down, you found a hole in the earth you're lying there with something over your eyes and it's dark. And the guy who was leading, he called, you know, he took out this beautiful pouch and he called all his guides to come and you were supposed to call your guides to help you. And you go, you find a crack in the earth. And I've been going to this cave um, where you broke your leg. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Another story. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. Somebody that lived next door to me when we lived in Progress Street before you were born, he was in the he was getting a degree in architecture and the architecture students used to go to this cave that mm -hmm. uh, and so he took me there and I started going there and we would go there and we'd light a hundred candles mm -hmm. and then we would drum and call to each other with animal voices. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> And the cave was amazing. There was this place called the Moon Room where a sinking creek ran through the cave and mm -hmm. it ran around the edge of this room. And then right in the middle, there was a big depression and water dripped down and it was a pool. It was like mm -hmm. a round pool in the middle of this room. And then there was a rock on in the pool and the water would drip down on the rock. So it was beautiful sound as well as just being in the cave it always felt kind of like home to me. I don't know why, but I felt mm. safe and I don't know. I just loved it in there. And so that's where I went in my journey. Um, I went in a crack in the back of the cave and through the earth and you come out. And the first time you, you journey, you just come out in the underworld. There are three worlds, upper world. Well, there's upper, upper world, upper world, middle world which is the earth and then the underworld so they said every every person will see it differently so i came out on a savanna mm -hmm. that was like uh it looked like the terrain around here and it also looked like what i thought about thought in africa mm -hmm. anyway then we came back up then we went down again and he said an animal will be waiting for you and it it will be your power animal and i thought right and so, um, so, but I went down and at the end I popped out and there was this huge polar bear, huge white polar bear. And he was morphing from a cartoon bear that you'd see on a child's 
uh, card, you know, birthday card into this incredibly powerful animal that just like, whoa, you, you know, you were afraid to approach. And I think he was doing that so I would approach him. We, he wouldn't feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so he would morph back and forth. And um, we had told, we had been told to ask them their names. And so I asked him his name and he wrote in the sky and he would write with one of his claws and the, the script would come out like the contrail of a jet, that mm -hmm. fluffy thing. And he wrote K-A-N, con. Oh, no H. Nope. All this time. <gasps> it's K-A-N. <laughs> nice. And so he was con. And uh, so we came back up. And then this was the most amazing time. The third thing we did that day was ride to dance our animals. Mm. So he cut the lights real low in the room. I took off my glasses. So I'm legally blind without my glasses. So I was really in my own space. Mm. And um, so you invite the animal into your body and then you dance with them in your body. And oh my God, I have never felt a power like that just running through my body. It's like, and I have never felt like a physically powerful person. So mm. I just felt like, I don't know. It was, it was an amazing experience. Wow. And I just, you know, I rolled, I leapt, I growled. I, I just, I felt, I felt like I could take my paw and just, wham somebody if they tried to get me or hurt me and just with one blow you know and I've never even liked those kinds of emotions but it sure did feel good <laughs> to feel that kind of power yeah and um so that ground that grounded con in me and uh and uh, I when I would go and do workshops afterwards if I was really nervous which I often was I would you put lead workshops. Lead workshops, right? Yeah. Mm. I would put Con in the front seat of the car, riding shotgun, and you know we would talk, and he would tell me I was okay, and everything would go well, and he'd be there behind me, and everything. So, so he became a very real entity to me. Yeah. And um, they also said when um, when you gather a power animal, you will you'll start seeing images of the animal and mm. and i did i don't know whether it's just an increased awareness mm. and then people that knew about this they would give me cards with polar bears and statues of polar bear. and that thing i oh, found yeah. i found this beautiful thing of it was like a it's big a, hunk of ice with polar bears and what statues was, it's a light right it's a light there's a light inside and it was this beautiful white rock of some kind mm -hmm. and I was like oh no it's too expensive I don't I can't get it and you were like mom you'll never see anything like this again buy it and so I have that now and, <laughs> 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 so mm -hmm. so he became very real to me and mm. because we would journey and um he would come to me and I would usually be journeying in my living room and i I would journey with questions for people. I didn't do much of it. Most of mm. it was questions for myself, but mm. occasionally somebody would come and ask a question and he would either stand behind, I would be lying on the living room floor. He would just appear 
and he would either stand behind me and put his arms around me so I was leaning against him or I would get on his back and we would go to the fir tree that's on the edge of the yard and we would climb up and then we would jump and go up and you go up up through the upper world and then you come to this membrane that's like a skin and then you rip through that and you go to the upper upper world and so it was always very dramatic and um, mm. I would get some pretty interesting things told to me but the thing I remember most was the feeling of love mm. it was a feel in these other worlds with these animals I had some other animal and I had a, a woman an Asian woman named Yeshibo that would give me tea you would feel this unconditional love mm. that's supposed to be the apex of, you know, mm. God's love for man. And I would just feel it so much. So it would just bring me to tears at times. Mm. And it was like getting an infusion of something that my soul craved, mm. you know, it was mm. like totally unconditional. I could do no wrong. Everything mm. was as it should be. That was the, that was it. Nothing is wrong with anything. Everything is exactly as it should be. And everything's mm. going to be all right. I mean, mm. how can you go wrong with those feelings? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me how old were you when you met Khan? And like, uh, I can't remember. Well, it was before Larkin. So, okay. and I had her when I was 36. 36. Okay. So I must have been... 34 or 35, my early 30s. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's when you met Khan? Before That's a long time ago. I think so. I, I'm not, I can't. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah. Because I don't think I would have gone to that workshop if I had you. I mean, I did go places, but yeah. I Are you sure? Because I thought it was after I left that all this <laughs> happened. After so, I graduated in '86 and I went to Hawaii. Oh, and I could have sworn that all of this stuff happened after. Maybe it was after. Maybe you. And Larkin was a little older, and you could have left her. Yeah, I think I was middle school, maybe. Yeah, maybe you were. <laughs> anyway, it's not all that important. Well, I can. I was just curious developmentally for you yeah, then, yeah. what age you were. When yeah. Well, and if it, open. it's in that window of the 85 to that you were talking about. 2001. The conjunction yeah. window. Mm -hmm. We figured it out. <laughs> it was, you were what? Mid early forties. So it was around nine ninety. Mm -hmm. in the. 1991. Maybe. Yeah. Something like that. I have two stories of Khan when he did give me information that was good, but I don't know if you want to hear those or not. Maybe we've got Oh, I mean, I, I love it all. And I was just, I just had one comment though. Yeah. It's, it's so remarkable to me, your stories about Khan, because, you know, I, I guess maybe you, or I don't know, somebody introduced me to shamanic journeying. It was probably you. And then I, I actually ended up doing a workshop with Sandra Ingerman back in the oh, day, yeah. you know, in Albuquerque. And Oh, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah. I was actually, so, you know, this was back when you did workshops in person. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, <laughs> that was good old days. <laughs> um, but I never had a really powerful, visceral, emotional experience of shamanic journeying. 
-hmm. you know, up until like this year, I haven't had that. And I recently sort of rediscovered it. And what I understand from like my shaman friend Jade is like, that is the, the key piece. Like if you don't have that like powerful emotional connection with like what you're doing in the journey, then it's, it's just, it's kind of like, um, not quite like active imagination, but it's not the same. It's not shamanic work. Huh, interesting. It's, it's just sort of creative visualization or whatever. Uh -huh. Huh. And so I just am so struck by the, the power of the emotional power of your experiences. Yes. And, yeah. you know, I was, too. <laughs> I was like, that was, that, that was awesome. <laughs> yes, it was awesome. And Mary, um, she was there at the workshop and she, she, she says she knows she's not supposed to, to go into the cloud world, she calls them, because oh. her, her journey was in black and white and mm -hmm. she met an animal, but she couldn't even remember what it was l later on. I mean, at the moment she did, but, and she says, wow. I'm, I'm not supposed to, you know, I'm not, she didn't have the longing that I did to connect and, oh. and uh, you know, she lives, the, she lives, the life of a mystic out on the river so yeah like an earth she's earth like, nature she's spirit she's already that. a nature That's spirit right. that yeah. she's an she is she's she really just is. She really but she really is. talks about that about like needing more mud between her toes and like yes. really, really yeah. liking that yes yeah, she's so and, grounded into it you know didn't didn't really enjoy being out west because everything is so like yeah you know pushing up off the earth kind yeah. of yeah. vibe yeah yeah mm. So you had an experience recently that was visceral. Well, well I reconnected with um, Jade and I actually, so I interviewed him for a podcast episode. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet. Um, oh, it's amazing. He blew my mind oh. several times. <laughs> um, but then I also did a little um, like workshop with him and I gave you, I gave you uh, uh, like some of the, his drumming. Anyway, yeah. he, I feel like, I mean, he, it was part of the teaching about shamanic journeying that he gave in sort of preparation for the journey we did. But um, I also feel like just something is different in me mm -hmm. that I'm able to like, like engage, like with that kind of like emotional, like, you know, like get myself there <laughs> when I didn't used to be able to, it was always very, you know, I'm a sort of a visual person. So I would have the visual component of the, the journey, yeah. but I didn't ever really feel it in my gut. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and I just feel like I'm able to do that now. So I was curious what age you were. Cause I just, I'm just, I speculate that like women, who are sort of approaching menopause mm -hmm. that they sort of get more of their power in a way. They do. They Maybe. Do. I think they do. Yeah. 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 I could talk on and on on that, but, but uh, yeah, we have to leave behind certain things in menopause and mm. but it opens you to other things. Mm -hmm. Maybe a deeper, I don't want to say deeper because that sounds judgmental on a, a different world it's different yeah it's different it's just a different kind of energy that you're you're yeah. riding on you know well yeah. and it's almost like i'd imagine not that i'm well when does menopause come in your 40s 
Like, it depends for each person. So right. Diane, how many years after you met Khan did you start to go into menopause? Because he was part of it, wasn't he, for you? Khan? Yeah. Well, um, I, I did some journeying during that time that was for other, well, yeah, he was part of it. <laughs> I thought he was your, you know, like you would go to him when it was yeah, oh my hard. God. Yes. Well, it's yes, almost yes. like, and knowing kind you know knowing somewhat the the uh what's it called my mind is terrible too i don't know what, i need to start we're empaths so when my mind goes her mind ginkgo goes. or something um the the timeline that's that was the word the timeline of you know your experience from and i was i guess middle school mm-hmm well, anyway, I was like, you know, nine or 10 up through when I graduated, you know, that decade, I guess, right. um, the nineties and just knowing like the trajectory of like your journey with your parents, yeah. having my grandpa Hobie die when I was in the seventh grade and then grandma getting, uh, dementia, mm -hmm and you having menopause and all, you know, that's kind of what you were referencing, the, the breaking open. Yeah. But it, I mean, seeing this now in that when Khan appeared, it was almost like Khan, you found Khan so to that he me. could help you through, Yeah. you know, not only with your work, cause mm -hmm. you were leading spiritual workshops mm -hmm. and doing a lot of stuff in that world, which you had to kind of release right. to deal with all of yeah. the family right. stuff. But he almost appeared as like your support yes. system. Yes. Part of your a big part of your support system, yes. your spiritual support system yes. Yes. for yes. all of that, you know, really challenging time. Right. And I will tell this one story about him. When I was really in menopause, and I don't know what year this was, but um, I was invited to teach photography for um, elder hostel up at Virginia Beach, I mean, up at uh, Mountain Lake. Mountain Lake. <laughs> and um, I was in menopause. I was like crying for no reason. I felt, I felt like I was not on the earth and I didn't have any support. Like everything that was familiar to me was changing, you know, like my parents and you were becoming a teenager and you- I was a you bitch were like, on wheels. You were like, so, <laughs> I just, I felt lost, you know, and um, mm. I was at Virginia Beach. I, I was, why do I say Virginia Beach? I was at Mountain Lake and it was real cold and rainy. It was fall. And so I would leave these people out and there was nothing beautiful to take photographs of because the leaves were all on the ground. There was ice everywhere. And so, but we would take pictures of the ice patterns and the leaves and stuff. Then at the end of the day, I'd have to send them down the mountain to be printed because this was before digital and then they'd come up the next day and we'd spread them out and look at them and I would go to my room every night and just cry just I just felt I would get in a hot tub of water and I would cry and um that was just kind of how it was <laughs> so uh, I decided to journey and we had a fireplace in the room and I got my drum out and drummed myself into a state and um Oh my God, this was the most incredible journey. I'm going to cry. Um, Khan came bursting through the window 
and he was covered with ice and he had little ice icicles hanging from his coat, you know, down under his belly. And he tossed his head and I knew I had to get on his back and I jumped on his back and his, he always smells like wind over snow. That's his smell, like mm. wind coming off snow. And his fur is like butter. It's buttery. It's not coarse. It's like you want to just get in it and roll around. And so um, I jumped on his back. We went back out through the window. We bounced off the frozen lake and up to the upper world. And then he rode in the sky. I, I was like crying, help me, help me through this. What do I do? How do I manage my life? What the fuck is going on? Excuse my French. And he wrote ride, R-I-D-E, mm. with the contrail. And then we came back and I was mystified. <laughs> I was like, ride? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? And, but now I, I think it meant ride your life. This is what you got. Ride it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't run yeah. away from it. Don't make it wrong. Ride it. Yeah. And mm. and that has come to me so many times when mama was dying. You know, it's just because it is just a ride. It's not the whole thing. It's, it's not the ride. whole shebang. We're on a it's ride. It's a wild. It's a wild ride. Yeah. And Mr. Toad's wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. So that was probably the most impactful uh journey i did with him wow yeah just the just the like the the emotional like power and the drama of that moment of him bursting through the oh, window and the, it, and it, just that you're like the senses that the, that he even has a smell i have no sense of smell in the shamanic world yeah i mean and just that that like just the whole thing it really, it really is. I mean, it was amazing. And Very you know, powerful. I had, I had wanted this. I had wanted that connection to spirit all my life, practically. Mm. Starting in youth group. Starting in youth group. Yes. <laughs> I was president of my youth group and, and I was really into Jesus when I was a teenager. I, you know, I never had a date. I was on the fringes. I did theater and poetry and all that. And that was my role. And I listened to people's problems day in and day out. The popular guys would ask me, who do you think I should date? And the, <laughs> the little country kids loved me because I would talk to them and treat them like they were my equals because they were. In fact, they were some of the coolest kids around. But um, so I was president of my youth group and we had got, gathered this money and we were going to give it to this family who was suffering at Christmas and, you know, and instead they voted to, to have a party with the money. And that's when I was like, the scale started falling from my eyes. And then we used to invite people in from different religions because we live near a university. And a guy came in, a Hindu, and he started talking about reincarnation. And I felt like somebody had hit me in the chest. I was like, I know this. I know reincarnation. I, I know this is true. And I couldn't find anything to write on. So I grabbed a hymnal and I ripped off the fly leaf and I started <laughs> notes. And then I read everything I could find on every other religion. And um, so that was, and that was kind of my introduction. But so I kind of pushed Jesus aside. Jesus used to be like a person to me and he really helped me through high school. 
I had WWJD, what would Jesus do written on all my books instead of a boy's name. And, and um, so what happened later in my life is I had a really mystical experience that brought Jesus back into my heart mm. that I'll tell you about some other time. But anyway. Wow. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm getting so, so you had, you had been seeking, you had been seeking. I get wound up. <laughs> you, you had been seeking since you were young and you found at least a big piece of it in this relationship with, with the Han and yeah. with the shamanic world. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, see, I did a lot of study on this to write my Holland's uh, final uh, thesis thesis for Holland to feed you lines. So <laughs> before my mind goes, it's a good thing I'm saying all this so I can look at it and go, oh, that's what happened. Um, <laughs> that's when that happened. Um, they think sh shamanism in Siberia was the first religion. And mm. some people even think the idea of going to heaven and hell came from the shaman's journey. Right. And um, a lot of all across the world shamans were working early way early and you know the pictures on the cave walls a lot of them were of half man half animal hmm. i think that was um going shamans finding their power animals and mm -hmm. the hunt and all that um but and there some of them were so some of them had such weird there was one shaman somewhere in uh the middle east and he would People, he would clear his throat and this phlegm would come out and his people had to drink it to be able to journey with him. <laughs> no, no thanks. Bizarre. No thanks. Unless he was, unless he was taking some sort of plant medicine. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. A lot of, you know, psychedelic kind of yeah, yeah. brew. Yeah. That's true. That could be. Yeah. Anyway, that that was it's really interesting. The history of shamanism is fascinating. Yeah. And it did start in Siberia, so far as they know. Mm, interesting. You had to do something when it was that cold to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll take a journey. <laughs> Please go to the tropics. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. Well, another thing that happened in the 90s, I don't know if you want to get it, talk about it or get into it, but it was your Kundalini experience. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. 97. <laughs> that, that date is emblazoned on my mind. <laughs> and we will hear Diane's telling of that tale in the next episode. Join us next week. Mm -hmm.